Who's actually seen the statue in um, Italy? <laughs> it was good. Um, no, kind of. <laughs> I walked past it. <laughs> Let's pray. Now, now, this morning, Father, we thank you that uh, your presence us with the Holy Spirit. And this morning, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for your goodness and your kindness and your mercy and your love. Sometimes it is overwhelming, Lord God. But we want to thank you this morning that you want us to call you Father. And this morning, Father, we thank you that you care enough for us as your children, that you want the best for us as we live out your plan on earth. We want to honor you this morning and give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Thank you this morning. Um, this morning we're going to speak about I see David. If I say I see, I want you to say David, okay? I see, I see. And we're going to do that throughout this whole morning. In 1464, the council asked an artist by the name of Augustino to create a masterpiece out of a slab of rock. He started on the project and started forming the legs, but then as he was doing that, he said he declined and walked away and didn't want to carry on. The council then approached another artist, a, sculpture by the, a sculptor by the name of Antonio in 18, uh, 1476, and he came to the slab of rock and he said, I can't do anything with leftovers. That rock is not good enough to carve anything out of it. The, uh, the slab of rock was left in a, in a quarry in Tuscany for many years until the day, 1501, when a 26-year-old young sculpture, a sculptor by the name of Michelangelo, I think you've heard his name, he came and he was assigned this task of actually forming something out of a slab of rock. As he started, he worked tirelessly for two years. On September the 13th, 1501, the young artist got to work. Through those 10 years, or two years, it was hard. It was hard labor. But a writer at the time said this, that, it was almost watching someone bring something dead back to life. Michelangelo, the sculptor, said, there's a sculpture in every slab. But me as a sculptor, it's my job to bring it out. They asked him, why didn't you give up like the other artists before you? He said this, Vito David. I see David. See, many times in life, we are faced with these things where we're trying to bring people through. And the reason why I'm speaking about I see David this morning is that there's two amazing people this morning who will be ordained. But if we don't have the wisdom and the vision that God sees in them, we can't see David. There's people that you're actually working with, that you're mentoring, but if you can't see the tree, but only focus on the seed, you can't see the potential of what that seed could become one day. 
And so many times in our lives, we always go, like Antonio and Gustil, we can go, ah, oh, I don't want to work on it. I'm going to step away. I'm going to give up. But when it comes to God, He doesn't give up on us. So why should we give up on people? And sometimes in our lives, we look at the slab and say, oh, I can only see a slab. That's all I can see. But if you don't have the heart of God for somebody, and I'm talking about people, if you don't have a heart of God for somebody and see what God sees in them, you'll never see the sculpture. You'll never see the tree. And this morning, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the life of David and how God saw the sculpture. While others saw a slab of rock. Let's open our Bibles to 1 Samuel 16. Because this morning, I see, I see. 1 Samuel 16 says this. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be the king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Samuel, uh, Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to be to anoint for me the one I've indicated. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived in Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? You've got to understand this, uh, the history of this. Prophets was they spoke on behalf of God. So they're either going to bring a message that was going to destroy or bring hope. And so you can understand why they were trembling. It's this guy, oh, it's a prophet. Woohoo! The prophet's here. Hopefully that's a good thing. So they're trembling. Whatever's going to come out of his mouth from the Lord they were hoping it was going to be hopeful and bring life. Samuel replied, yes, in peace. Hallelujah. I've come to sacrifice the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Verse 6. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People, people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I see. I see. Then Jesse called Benadab, uh, sorry, tongue-tied this morning, and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Then Jesse said, Shammah passed by. And Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all your sons or the sons you have? They were still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit until he arrives. So he went, so he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a 
fine appearance and handsome features. Now you've got to understand, Samuel wrote this letter. So he's probably just trying to tidy himself up here. He didn't have to write that. And then the Lord said, this is what the Lord said, rise and anoint him, this is the one. So Samuel took the horn, the ram's horn of oil, and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. I'm just going to give you some lessons about leadership. Number one, it's not a marathon. Oh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It is a marathon. It's not a sprint. I was going to say it. That doesn't sound right. And my wife said, amen. So encouraging, babe. It's a marathon, not a sprint. See, David was 17 when he was anointed and prophesied over. David was revealed to him, at a, his call was revealed to him as young, at, at a young age. He defeated Goliath, he served in Saul's court for 13 years. 30 years old, he was anointed king of Hebron over Judah. At 37 years old, he was anointed king of Jerusalem over Israel. And at seven years, 70 years old, he died. So he didn't come into the fullness of his call for such a long time, 13 years. But if you look at David's life, you can understand he went through a lot of stuff. Now imagine that. The guy that was supposed to be your mentor was trying to kill you. Now Saul was the king at the time. And everyone knows that when David went to actually fight Goliath, Saul tried to put his armor on him. For mentors, don't put your stuff on other people. Because they will grow into their own stuff. Many times we were like, no, put this on. This is you. This is what I've worn. This is what I've done. This, is, this will fit you. But God's not like that because he's pre-designed something for you. Your call is specific to what God has called you to. For some of you who have been waiting for a long time for God to call you into something, remember, it's not a sprint. We live in a takeaway culture. Everything has to be quick. We want to... We wanna, a fat body, we want to look good, and so you do those um, spirulina diets. It's water and spirulina the whole whole time. I, I know a friend that does that. It's important to understand that things, good things, take time. Many of us want to rush into it. Many of us want to go there and be there right now. But who knows that when you look at the seed, the potential for that tree is all in that seed. You need to nourish it and nurture it so it can become the tree it needs to be. This morning, we're going to pray for a great couple. And some of you know their story, the bad stuff. Some of you know a lot of their bad stuff. And you keep on reminding them about their bad stuff. But when I look at what God has for them, it's powerful. And not just for this nation, for the nations of the world. And I don't just see a seed, I see the tree. It may, may look like a shrub right now, but that's going to be a mighty oak tree one day. And the potential to actually see David, or see the potential, or like Michelangelo said, see the statue in the slab. We need to be people like that, that see the potential 
and the value in people. See, I'm a recipient today of someone saying, I'm going to open a door for you. Come on through. We shouldn't be people like this. Come on through. The door's open. Then try and trip them up on the way through. See, Saul was like that. Oh, oh, wow. And then when they gave all the praise to David, Saul got angry. And he lived all his life in frustration that he tried to compare his life to David's life. We can't live like that. Number two, be courageous. Challenges will come in any form of leadership. As parents, all the parents here, is parenting easy? The honest ones are saying, no, no way. There's a lying spirit in that. <laughs> no. But it's important. <laughs> it's important to understand this, that challenges will come. Like David's life, he had many challenges he had to face. For us as leaders in our own environments, challenges will come. Criticism will come. Offense will come. But guess what? It's how you deal with those things which matters. Be courageous. Step up to the plate. Step up in faith and be confident in what God has called you to. Number three. I touched on a little bit here. Criticism will come. It's how you react that matters. Who here has been criticized? Hands up. Who here wants to be criticized? I can find some things. We're all going to be criticized in some, in some way, one way or another. But it's how you deal with it that matters. See, David was criticized because he was young. Also, he was compared to others. But he didn't live in that. He didn't live in the criticism. Criticism is something you can avoid easily but saying nothing, by saying nothing and doing nothing and being nothing. But we're not called to do that. We're called to step out and be courageous on behalf of God. So you're always going to get those people that are going to criticize you. Some tips for criticism. This is from John Maxwell. If you're taking notes. Ask if there's truth in the criticism. If someone's criticizing you. Is the criticism positive to build you up or negative to tear you down? And what spirit is it given? Is it given gently or judgmentally? Is the criticism given privately or publicly? Now, I've got a big thing about this. If you've got an issue with someone, if you want to criticize someone, don't, put it on, don't do it on social media. You, you tear someone apart using social media. I just watched another a video yesterday of someone tearing someone else down. It was horrible. And the damage you do to someone doing that is so, honestly, it's probably one of the worst things you can do to someone. We're not here to do that. And if you're criticizing someone, how about if you take a good look in the mirror and have a look at your life? Because there's something in your heart that's not right. So pull back and say, wait a minute, I need to look at myself first. Criticism, when you're trying to email, this is, this is 101 for email 
Now, this is, this is free of charge, okay? This is absolutely free. If you're going to send an email and, you're, and it's filled with anger, sleep on it. Wake up the next morning when you feel refreshed and think about, is that something you want to send? Because sometimes in the heat of the moment you send something, you can't bring it back. And then you've got to clean it up afterwards. Be careful how you talk about people. Be, t- be careful, honestly, it's, if you're going to do it in public, if I was to stand here and say to someone, hey, you, this is what's happening in your life, you need to sort it out, it's wrong on me to do that. For me to say, can we catch up after this? That's the best thing to do. We actually hurt people a lot more, and then we end up trying to clean up the mess that we've made. So if you step down and criticize someone, honestly, take responsibility and actually own up to it. Okay? Some things in this world, don't need to be over-spiritualized. We over-spiritualize everything. We just need to clean it up by actually taking responsibility. If you put something on social media this week and it's wrong, take it down. Easy. Delete. And why I'm passionate about this, because I've seen so many young people go through this stuff where they've had to deal with this stuff themselves in their own room, on their own device, and they get into a place of real dark place. And it's not right. And because of something that someone wore or someone said, I want to say this to you. Kiki doesn't love you. Jesus does. And Kiki's a player because everyone's telling Kiki, do you love me? I'm telling you, Kiki doesn't love you. What I'm saying is that we can, it's all, it's all out there, you know, and this is the stuff that our youth are looking at. But the thing is that we can clean it up as a church by being truthful, be responsible, and don't be like Kiki. Okay, that was extra. Another thing is um, criticism. Yeah, just um, we've said this so many times in the life of our church. Uh, Matthew 18. I think we need to get a grave somewhere. Eh? <laughs> Matthew 18, if you've got all to your brother, go and deal it with your brother. Go sort it out. Your sister, go and sort it out. One-on-one, not Facebook upon Facebook. Okay, one-on-one. And we say it all the time, but we don't do it. But we need to do it. Because we can actually save some lives by doing stuff like that. If you're offended with someone, go and sort it out with them and say, can we catch up because I need to deal with this. It's heavy on my heart. Okay. Number four, let God lead you. I love the fact that in David's life, David's famous, there's a famous statement that every time something was written about, uh, about David, it would say this. David inquired of the Lord. He's read that many times. He inquired of the Lord. Every time David had an issue he faced, he inquired of the Lord. It wasn't like he came to his pastor. <laughs> you need to go to God with your problems. Because this man can't fix everything. All I can do is say, um, have you taken responsibility? Have you forgiven? Don't talk to me. I'm not going to babysit you. I'll, I'll be honest, because what happens is that you put the emphasis on hearing an answer from a man instead of hearing an answer from the great I am. So, what well, did I just make a poem out of that? <laughs> so, it's important to do that. Please inquire of the Lord. Inquire. If you've got a problem facing you, if you've got a problem that's uh, just you kind of challenge it right in front of you. Just say, God, I need your help. I need you, Lord, more than ever before. And if you, if you need help through it, 
will help you on the journey. But I'm the type of person that says this, if you're not going to take responsibility, it's not going to get through. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. If you take responsibility for your stuff and say, I own it, release it to God, man, how much release you can get for your life and release for other people around you. It's all about stepping up and stepping to the call of God. Number five, kindness is a key for unlocking people. Who likes kind people? Hands up. Well, some of you like mean people. That's all right. But who likes it when someone comes up to them and says something that encourages them? Hands up. Do you know that this is lacking in everyday life? This is lacking in humanity? We're not even, we don't need wisdom to be kind. It's act of our, who we are in Christ. To open the door, this is, this is, the, this is the infancy of kindness. Teach your kids to step back when someone's walking through a door, coming the other way. Manners is the 101 for kindness, which leads to respect. Parents, teach your kids to say thank you and please. Because when they get, become teenagers, they start making all those things, um, um, those things start be missed out in the vocab. But you got to keep on reminding them. Keep on reminding them so they can establish kindness. Are you a kind person? Do people say, look at you and say, man, they're kind. I love being around them. But if people look at you and say, why are you always grumpy? I don't know. Who are you representing? Our God is, in His presence, apparently, is fullness of joy. Like, it's full of joy. It's not full of grumpiness. We can be grumpy if you had a bad day, but don't live it out. Don't make your stuff other people's fault. And we carry that around. We actually become like that. And this is Leadership 101. If you're carrying stuff, take responsibility. Don't make it everyone else's problem. Don't take your grumpiness and ruin someone else's day because someone forgot to smile at you on the bus. And for me personally, I think I'm a very happy person. But this is a sapling from a seed. My life wasn't like that. So I've had to work hard and have people, especially my wife, speak life into me so I can become the person I need to be in Christ. See, I'm not at the oak tree yet, but I'm going down that way. I'm hoping that along the way, I can have a lot of fun with God, a lot of fun with people around me. And I want to be the person that says, the people go, man, I like hanging out with you. If you're not the person that people say, I like hanging out with, <laughs> okay then, okay then. So, kindness is a key to unlocking people. If you want people to come through, extend kindness to them. This uh, week we had a, a guy that stood on stage, friends with um, Ellen and Natasha. His name is Myron. Great guy, great guy. I met him um, two weeks ago, and he wants to get into this whole scene of uh, motivational speaker and um, uh, speaking and stuff like that. And he came to me and he said that he was recommended by someone to come and see me. And I sat down with him, and all I could see was a tree in front of me. That's all I, when I see people, all I see is a tree. Yeah, a bit trimming, pruning here and there, as all of us. But in my mindset, and this is the way, because I've been gracious enough to be 
let through that door of opportunity, that I get to see the opportunity in someone and the potential in someone. So I was sitting down and having coffee with him, and he didn't want to have coffee, he just wanted to have water and just focus on me. And we sat there. And in the back of my mind, this is what I saw. I see. So we sat there, and I, I looked at him, and he was talking, talking a whole story. That I, he's talking most of the time. And I sat there, and I said to him, you're going to speak next week as storytellers. He's going, what? Me? Yeah. I rang up Nirvana. Nirvana Dutch with us, and we had a conversation. I want this guy to speak. Why? Because I saw a tree. I saw David. And in himself, he had every potential he needed to be. And to be honest, on that night, a lot of people raved about the paintbrush. He got a speech, the paintbrush, phenomenal speech. But the thing is that if you don't see the potential in someone, you're missing out on an opportunity to see that tree grow. Watch the space with that guy, man. He goes to another church. People are going, but he goes to another church. And we're all going to be in the same heaven one day. Going to help my brothers in the Lord. So I just said to him that, and sometimes we miss on these opportunities to sit down with someone and say, I see David. I see the potential. I see what God can do for you. And rewind back 15 years ago, or actually 16 years ago, when a, a man by the name of Michael Nicholas, and some of you know him, he sat down with me at Jacob's Cafe in Hawick. And he sat with me, and I was sitting there, I was doing some work for Tangaroa, and I wasn't too sure what's going to happen next. And he sat down with me, and he sat down, and Polynesian culture, the pastor, oh, I am so, oh, who am I to touch you? Oh, just to gaze on your beauty. Oh, and then this Polynesian culture, man. And then that came down when he sat down and goes, can I buy you a coffee? And I said, yes, please. Are you paying? Yes, please. Can I also have? And he came and then he sat down and he just said, where do you see yourself in the future? Um, working, doing this, uh, him, family. Uh, Lynn and I, we're just going to be about to be married. And uh, focus on my kids and that. And he goes, yeah, cool. I think there's more for you. I said, what? Me? More for me? Are you sure? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's more. Can we have these more conversations? And in that time, in those coffees, what he was doing was chipping away at that slab because he saw David. He chipped away, and he saw the potential. See, he made being a leader in a church attainable. It wasn't this far-off thing. Oh, I'm so, I don't use the justification words. Oh, sanctification. Oh, glorification. I don't use all these big words. But he came to me as a man, and he said, God's got a plan for you. I want to help you on that road as your friend. This week, uh, I was privileged to go with Phil to go and do uh, ITM team, uh, Harbour team, talk to them about confidence. And um, it was a privilege having him here. And he was just watching me. And then he was talking to the players. You know what? In him, I see David. Uh, when I'm at the gym with the boys and we hang out, and when Shans looks at me when I'm across the room, are you going to come work out here? I look back and I say, I see David. When I saw Vern the first time, this guy <laughs> on stage, ripped pants, rugged ass. Let's go, whoa! 
But he was so raw, but he was so real about what God. And his testimony is the grace of God like many of ours. But I saw David. Many in this room. When I look at my boys as well, when I look at them, my boys, to be honest, I don't want my boys to do what I do unless they're called to it. Some, some pastors want to go, you're going to be a pastor one day. No, no. God's maybe called them to something else. But if they follow my footsteps one day, it's got to be the call of God. But guess what? In every single one of my five boys, I see David. It's my job to chip away and help them see themselves. I don't know why I went down that tangent, but I felt to. Leave the door open for others. That's the next one. Leave the door open for others. Don't close the door on the way through. Many of us do that. I've made it. I'm here. Woohoo! I've done it. I've arrived. Woohoo! Where's everyone else? One of my favorite passages is from Joshua. When Joshua dies in his life and ends at the end of his life, one of the best statements that's made about Joshua's life is this, that he died in his inheritance and those that were with him died in theirs. I want to be a person and we need to be people that actually have the best intents for others so they can walk into the fullness of what God has for them. We can't be people that go, I've made it, I've done it, it's me, woohoo, it's all about me. We can start changing the songs to all about me. But the thing is that once you open that door for someone else, step back and let them come through, man, how far can they run? But we need to see, David. I see. See, Moses mentored Joshua. Joshua mentored the leaders of Israel. Eli mentored Samuel. David mentored Solomon. Elijah mentored Elisha. Daniel mentored Nebuchadnezzar. Priscilla and Aquila, who are business people mentored Apollos, Jesus mentored the 12, and then went on to the 72, and then also Paul mentored Titus, Timothy, and many others. Timothy then mentored the faithful men that God has given them. The question is, who are you inspiring around you? Who are you influencing? And who around you are looking at your life saying, I want to be just like you? Because you follow so closely Christ. I see. I see. So this message is about seeing the tree and the seed and seeing the potential in someone. Some people will hurt you. Jesus had it the whole time. Someone betrayed him. Peter took off, gapped it, comes back later. But the potential in people is important. We need to actually see that for everyone that we bring through, we disciple. And this morning is a celebration of that. I didn't see Talitha and Vern. I see what Jesus has done in their lives. And I say, praise God. There's many leaders here that will come through. There's many leaders not here yet that will come through. But we need to see David in them, the potential, and actually start working away so we can make sure they come through. Remember, God doesn't look at the outward appearance. At the heart. So let's all stand and let's pray. Before we're going to have a kai together, some food. So we're going to have a break for an hour, just have uh, food, get to meet some people. Uh, a lot of Vernon and Tal's uh, family are here. Go and introduce yourself to them as well.
But this week, I want you to think about the people around you. People that you may employ, the people that you may work with. What is the potential you can see in them? You can be like one of the artists that actually went and said, it's good for nothing, it's a waste of time, I've got other things to do. Or you can be like Michelangelo and say, I see David, Vito David, I see David. Father, we thank you this morning. We want to honor you and thank you for carving out our lives. We are the clay in your hands, great potter, and we just want to thank you for forming us, for carving us out, and for seeing the best in us. And this morning, as we celebrate with Vernon and Towers, we want to thank you for being so gracious, Lord God. And Lord, just, yeah, thank you for seeing the tree and the seed in our lives. We honor you this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you all. If you need prayer for anything, we're going to have a few of us up here, leaders up here, being able to pray with you.